Happy Friday and welcome into the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We have a special treat for you today as we're joined by pro-life hero Abby Johnson. Many of you may not know her story, but she is currently the CEO of And Then There Were None Ministries and Abby actually started at Planned Parenthood. So if you haven't seen the movie Unplanned or, or you may not know, and Abby, our, our folks here in South Carolina may not be very familiar with your story. So tell us about your journey to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I got involved with Planned Parenthood back in 2001. I was a college student and, um, you know, didn't know much about Planned Parenthood. Honestly, I grew up in a Christian home, pro-life home, but we were not activists in any way, shape or form. And so, you know, just sort of abortion is bad. Don't have an abortion, but you know, we didn't talk about abortion around the dinner table. We didn't go to rallies or marches or, you know, anything like that. So, um, abortion was just sort of in the abstract. We didn't talk about it at church. Didn't talk about it at youth group, you know? So I went to college, um, ended up meeting a woman with Planned Parenthood and she started giving me the, you know, the talking points of the abortion movement, you know, abortion is good for women. And, you know, it's about personal freedom and the liberation of women. And, you know, we're trying to keep abortion rare and, you know, all the things that we hear so much. And as you know, this young idealistic college student that didn't really know anything that was really naive, um, and really just ignorant. I fell victim. I was, I was easy prey, uh, to them. And so started volunteering and I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I can tell you, I knew it was wrong because I did not run home and tell my parents what I was doing. I actually was volunteering there for a year and a half before I started telling my parents what I was doing. And so I think I start the third chapter of unplanned out by saying, never trust a decision you wouldn't tell your mom about. And, um, and I think that's pretty good advice for, (laughs) for Christian kids out there. So, um, but yeah, I just sort of moved my way up, graduated from college, got hired on there, moved up through the ranks, Uh, became the clinic director. And then, you know, things, I started to get a little unsettled toward the end of my time there. I mean, I would like to tell you I had angst the whole time I was there, but I really didn't. I believed I was doing the right thing. I believed I was helping women, but the last, the last uh, couple years there, really the last year, as I was, you know, really getting high up and really sort of getting into the internal workings of Planned Parenthood. Um, I started just learning things that were disturbing me. You know, I was being told that we were going to double our abortion quota. Um, didn't understand that if we're trying to keep abortion rare, why are you giving me a quota? Why are you telling me to double it? Um, but ultimately I ended up leaving after watching an ultrasound guided abortion. And that's pretty rare in the abortion industry. Abortions are usually done in a blind manner, uh, where you don't see the baby on the actual ultrasound as it's being killed. Um, but we had a visiting physician. I was called in to assist and I watched as a 13 week old baby fought and struggled for his life against the abortion instruments. And I knew then that, 
uh, there was humanity in the womb, there was life in the womb. And I knew that if those two things were true, then I was on the wrong side of this debate. So I ended up leaving Planned Parenthood. Um, when I did that, Planned Parenthood sued me and tried to get a gag order against me, uh, trying to to prevent me from talking about what I had seen and what I knew about the abortion industry. And when they sued me, they sent out a press release and that press release got picked up by the Associated Press. That was when I found myself on, you know, national news, Fox News, MSNBC telling my story. Because of course, when somebody tells you they don't want you to say something, then the media is like, why not? What, <laughs> you know, what do you know? Um, and ever since then, I mean, for the past 12 and a half years, I've really been trying to expose this underbelly of the abortion industry, but also trying to bring healing to those who have been harmed um, and those who have been participants in abortion. Yeah, it seems to me that there would be an issue of suing someone after sending out a press release as someone that works in the communication side. That seems to be a bit odd. But once that change happened, you were employee of the year at Planned Parenthood, correct? Yeah, that was. So it was sort of interesting. I mean, I was, you know, uh, it was a, it was a, you know, I'd had a, a, a good year with them. I'd been named their employee of the year. I was a good salesperson for Planned Parenthood. I was good at selling their products, right? Which was abortion. Um, the interesting thing is that, and I, I can say this honestly, the interesting thing is that you don't even realize that you're selling it. Um, the, the training is such, you know, you're, you're trained in a way that you're, you're taught how to overcome objections to abortion um, by these women that come in, you know, you are, there's even a, a training that I actually went around. I was the regional trainer for this particular program and it's how to normalize abortion to staff members and, uh, how to help them sell abortion essentially to women that come in, but you don't even realize that it's a sales pitch because they do it. Mm -hmm. So they're so crafty. Right. And that's what we know about the devil, right? The devil is sly. The devil is cunning and, and abortion is evil. Right. And so of mm -hmm. course they're not outright, like we are selling abortion, right? They're, they're not saying that, but I remember one in particular, um, training module that was in that, that DVD series that I went around and trained all of our staff on one of the objections was, and, and this was like an acted scene, right? So a woman comes in and she says, um, to the, to the staff, the staff member, she says, you know, I just, I don't know how I feel about abortion. I've always been taught that abortion is a sin. And so then we're trained as staff to then say to that woman, well, don't you believe in a forgiving God? Mm -hmm. And, and so wow. then the, the actress, the woman, the patient says, well, yes, of, of course. Right. And of course we all do. Of course we all do. Of course we all believe in a forgiving God. Right. And so then the staff member, then we are trained to say to her, 
Well, don't you think that God understands your circumstances right now, understands you're in a really difficult situation? Don't you think that God wants what's best for you, your current family and your future family? And you see, that sounds like a beautiful answer, right? But it completely skirts the fact that the reality is that in order to have this, this perfect scenario that you're pitching to her, you're taking the life, you're murdering an innocent human being, right? And so it's these mind games that they're playing with you, that they're playing with the staff, that they're playing with their clients, but you're so in it. Your mind is so, has been, you've been really brainwashed by this organization that you think I am doing a good thing. I am caring for these women. That is a good answer, right? I mean, like you really think that. And so you don't even see that. Oh my gosh. Like I am spiritually abusing these women, Mm -hmm. right? You don't even see that. You don't even see that that spiritual abuse. You don't even see that you're like leading them to sin. You don't even see that that is actually presumptive sin, that that's presumptive forgiveness. And that is Mm -hmm. a sin, right? You don't even see that anymore because you have Mm -hmm. been, your mind is so warped. And so, you know, yeah, but I was really good at doing that. I was really good at leading women down that path at selling them on that. And so, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. So anyway, they had given me this award and what, which was funny because then later when I left, they tried to act like I was this disgruntled employee that was terrible at her job. And I'm like, really? Because you just gave me an award for being (laughs) an amazing employee. And now you're trying to tell me I was awful at my job. So those two things don't fit. Obviously your, your heart is there. Talk about how hearts can be transformed in the, in the midst of the pro-abortion movement. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so it's, it's, there's like this, there is this numbing of Mm. the spirit. There is a numbing of the heart that takes place. I remember, um, Specifically, I mean, I was pregnant when I worked at Planned Parenthood uh, with my daughter, Grace. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day, um, walk, you know, walking, we we had to, on abortion days, on surgical abortion days, we had to park outside of our fenced area. The staff had to park outside of our fenced area because our parking lot would become so busy Mm -hmm. um, with abortion patients. We couldn't, the staff couldn't park inside the fenced area. And I was, I was pretty big pregnant by this time I was, um, showing and I was walking by the pro-lifers that were praying outside. And, um, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them said, just said, you know, not in a mean way, but just said, Abby, how can you do this when you're pregnant? Mm. And at that time I'd already had two abortions and now I was pregnant with grace And I just remember, I'll never forget this. I just remember looking at them and saying, you know, it's really simple for me. I've had three pregnancies in my life and I've made three different choices. Twice I've decided to terminate my pregnancies. And once I've decided to carry my pregnancy to term. And it was that simple 
in my mind. It was like I had made this huge disconnection Mm -hmm. in my head. The fact that those two babies that I had terminated, that I had killed, were just as human, were just as valuable, were just as precious as Grace, the life that I was carrying right then at that moment. And, you know, it's hard to, well, you can't explain it. I mean, there, there's no way to explain how the heart does that. Mm -hmm. Um, the only, the only thing I can say is, is that I think when you are sort of living a, a lifestyle of sin, you know, over those eight years, there are so many opportunities where there's a fork in the road mm-hmm. and you can make a, a choice of sin or you can make a choice for righteousness. And in those eight years, I had over and over and over again, made a choice for sin mm. and knowingly, I mean, I had knowingly made a choice for sin. And every time you go down that path of sin, your heart becomes callous, more and more hardened, more and more callous. Every time you choose that, that fork, that path. And truly by the time that your heart becomes so incredibly hardened after making so many of those choices for sin, I believe that only nothing that we say as, as humans, nothing that we do will ever penetrate that hardened heart. Truly the only thing that, that can and will penetrate that sort of callousness is the Holy spirit. The only thing that will change that heart. It's not 365 arguments back and forth on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's not a a Twitter feud. That's not it. The only thing that will penetrate that sort of callousness is, is Jesus Christ himself. Well, I I know we're grateful for your heart and, and seeing not just the end of abortion, but also seeing lives transformed. I mean, look, this, I mean, everybody knows that I am, I am a a huge proponent of pro-life legislation. It's, you know, it's why Mm -hmm. I go across the country. I testify on, on, you know, pro-life bills. I, you know, I do all the things I do. I help draft legislation. I I promote legislation. I do all, all of this, right. I endorse Trump in in the election. Mm -hmm. I, you know, spoke at the Republican national convention. I'm obviously, I believe that laws matter, right? But look, even if even if Roe is overturned, even in March, in June, whenever they come out with their decision, the, the Supreme Court comes out with their decision, even if Roe is overturned, that is such a small part of, of mm, what we yeah. have to do in the pro-life yeah. movement. Even if tomorrow, even if by some... I don't know what, even if by some miracle, you know, abortion became illegal all across the United States. Abortion is, is not available anywhere. Every abortion clinic closed across the United States. 
oh my gosh, we still have so much work to do because Mm -hmm. abortion is so much more than just abortion laws. It's about a culture and we have to change the culture. I know my youngest sister-in-law is a big fan of the movie Unplanned and that's actually what's helping spur her along to work with young women and and counsel young girls uh, to work in this movement. So uh, aside from the movie and aside from folks watching that, how can folks connect with you? Sure. I mean, you know, there's my website is a pretty comprehensive, uh, pretty comprehensive list of what people can do to get involved. Uh, my website is just abbyj.com. Um, I've got both of my ministry uh, websites listed on there, uh, Prolove Ministries, and, and then there were none. People can look that up and see how they can get involved. Um, also, in October of 2019, I started a ministry called Loveline. And people can check that out at loveline.com. It is a crisis line. And I want people to know about this, not just for themselves, but for others. It's a 24 hour crisis line, not just for moms that are pregnant. This is for anyone in crisis, single moms, single dads, victims of domestic Mm. violence, victims of sex trafficking. Yes. Women who are pregnant and are in crisis. Um, Just in the month of January, we had 249 uh, individuals reach out to us for case wow. management. And, uh, it's, it, it's, it's really, we are preparing for that post row world. Mm-hmm. And that is what we all need to be preparing for getting ready for, because I believe by the grace of God, that is going to happen. And so we all need to get our hearts, our minds, our pocketbooks, um, <laughs> our time. We need to make time to go volunteer pregnancy centers, to go stand outside of those abortion clinics, to do everything we can to go to our state capitals, to talk to our legislators. We need to get our minds and our hearts ready for that post-Roe America, because I believe it is coming, but I want people to know about Loveline. I want people to remember that loveline.com people who are in need can text us. They can call us. They can email us 24 hours a day. Someone will respond um, because The bottom line is that there are people all across this country that are hurting, that are in crisis, that are in need. And you may encounter them at the grocery store, at a hotel, at the mall, uh, anywhere, right? At a restaurant. It may be your waitress. Uh, A friend of mine was checking out of a hotel one day and she was giving the keys and getting her bill from the the front desk uh, worker. And she just said, well, how's your day today? And the lady at the front desk started crying and Mm -hmm. said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just, I'm having a terrible day. Uh, My my boyfriend just left. I'm a single mom of three kids. I'm just, I'm so sorry. And uh, my friend said, you know what? I know who can help. And she called the love line number for her, got her connected with us. We got her into stable housing, got her on a budget, got her into some continuing education. I mean, it's just amazing how we can really help transform the lives of these men and women who are contacting us. And that's what we want to do. And we can also partner with pregnancy centers who are on the ground, helping women with material needs. So Remember, loveline.com, if you encounter anybody who needs help, or if you yourself are a single parent or somebody who is just really stuck in a rut and you need some help, you need some advice, you need some professional counseling, it's all free of charge to you. Please let us know how we can help. 
So that is loveline.com, and you can visit Abby J as well. Both of those links will be in the description for this podcast. And, and Abby, like you were saying, here in SC, uh, we're looking forward to a post-row world. We're looking forward to that here in South Carolina. And and here at Palmetto Family specifically, we've talked about this and our listeners know that we're working on the adoption and foster care front, making sure that there are pathways to permanency here in the Palmetto State. One, one final question for you, Abby. It, it, it's not just about winning an argument. So where does Christianity fall in the pro-life movement? Yeah, that's right. I remember, I don't know, probably about eight years ago, um, eight to 10 years ago, there was really this push in the pro-life movement to create a bunch of secularism in the movement, this, these secular arguments, right? The pro-life movement's got to be more secular. We've got to, you know, take God out of the equation. Every time we talk about abortion, let's not talk about God. Right. And, you know, I remember that there was a, there was a, you know, even a, um, I sort of fell into this, well, maybe, maybe that's right. Right. Like maybe, maybe we do need to, you know, not really overwhelm people with like this message of God, right? Maybe that's how we'll reach more people. But then I really, I I started to really get offended by that message because I don't ever want to deny my faith. I don't ever want to deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the, the, the basis of science. God is why we have science. Mm-hmm. God is what, what, what the art, the God is why the why behind fetal development, right? God mm-hmm. is the why behind science. So all of these secular arguments that people make, well, why do they exist? Well, it's because of our heavenly father, right? And I'm not going to deny that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember just really having this, this turn in my heart about that and, and just saying, no, absolutely not. Because more than just saving babies, my goal is to save souls. Mm, and, and so if, if I just save a baby, but, but I don't turn that woman's heart to Christ, then I really feel like I failed. And, and so that really became my mission. That really became my heart. And that became the mission of every ministry that I have. That became the mission of Loveline. That became the mission of, and then there were none of pro-love ministries, everything that I'm involved in, that became the central part of what I do. Because like I said, at the dinner, I want heaven to be crowded. And, and so that should be the goal of all of us. We want heaven to be Mm -hmm. crowded. We want, we want the the gates of heaven to be full of people walking in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but we have to be careful in the way that we, that we minister to people, the way that we explain the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the path is narrow. And, and so we need to help people understand that, um, there is a certain way mm-hmm. to, uh, to walk into, uh, those gates of heaven. And so, and so we need to do it the right way. We need to be sharing about our faith the right way. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not going to, to ever 
hide my faith again. I remember one time being at a conference and, and, uh, it was a student conference and someone asked the question, well, you know, if you're at a table, uh, and you have a, a cross around your neck and you're sharing about the pro-life message, should you, should you hide your cross in your shirt? <laughs> and one of the presenters said, well, you know, you may want to, otherwise you're going to get criticized for being a, you know, this Christian zealot. And, and afterward I stood up and I said, do not hide that cross, right? Do not hide your faith. And the students stood up and they cheered. And I had all these students come up to me afterward and say, thank you. Thank you for telling us to be bold in our faith. And so that's what I'm asking Christians to do today. Be bold in your faith. Be bold about the gospel of Christ. And part of the gospel of Christ is the gospel of life. Mm -hmm. And so be bold in your faith, be bold in your beliefs. Do not be scared to offend because the truth will be offensive to those who are not aligned with the truth. Mm -hmm. And so don't be scared of that. All we have to do is speak the truth, plant the seed, and then the, let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Funny story. I was watching uh, this movie one time with my daughter, Grace. This was, she was little. She was probably before I had recently left Planned Parenthood and I was watching this movie Kung Fu Panda with her. And you know how kids are, you watch the same movie 150 times, right? And I'd watched this movie so many times with her. And um, I was really at a place after leaving Planned Parenthood where, you know, it's like you grow up in church, you know, God forgives you, but then how do you internalize that forgiveness? And I was in church I knew God forgave me, but mm -hmm. I still was just struggling. I was really, really struggling with that forgiveness. How, how could he forgive me of everything I had done? Right. And I was, I was still really sort of wallowing in this past sin that I had committed. I mean, I had participated in over 22,000 abortions. Mm -hmm. I had killed my own two children. Like there's no way. God could forgive me of that. Right. And so I, I was sitting there watching this movie, my daughter, and there's this, there's this scene where this old turtle is dying and this little rat guy or whatever is talking to him. And, uh, and the turtle says, do you know why they call today the present? And he says, because it's a gift. Yeah. And after watching it like a million times, that all of a sudden that really struck me. And I just, I just, I sort of started crying and it was like God speaking to me right there through this old animated turtle. Right. And, um, yeah. and I thought, oh my gosh, that's so true. God does not want us to live in our past because that is where Satan lives. Satan lives in our past. He wants to remind us of our past. He wants us to live in the bondage of our past. He wants us to live in the secrets of our past. That's why he wants us to keep them hidden. That's why he doesn't want us to tell our stories. That's why our testimonies are so powerful because once we share our testimony, the light shines on it and God lives in the light. God does not live in the darkness. First John talks about that. And so you know, I, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing living in the past? God has given me this gift. He's given me the present. And that's where he wants me to live with him. Mm 
I can't even worry about my future. I can't worry about my past. I want to live right here. He has erased my past. As far as the East is from the right, I have, I have asked him for forgiveness. He has erased it. And how prideful of me to think that, that God is not big enough, that I'm not small enough, right? And that God's not big enough to erase everything that I've done. I'm so small compared to how big God is. Yeah. He is so much bigger than the 22,000 abortions I participated in. He is so much bigger than the two abortions that I committed on my own children. He's so much bigger than all of our sin. And I wasn't putting him in his rightful place because of my own pride. And so I was like, God, thank you for this gift that you've given me. And so, you know what? I tell people it took practice. It took practice and it had to become a habit. I had to wake up every day and I had to make a decision. Am I going to wake up today and live in the past where Satan wants to throw up my past where he wants me to live? Or am I going to live in today? Am I going to live in this gift in the present where God wants me to live? And am I going to allow my past story to be used for his glory? And you know what? And sometimes I failed, right? I'm going to be honest. Yeah, sometimes, sure. yeah. sometimes I failed in the beginning. Sometimes I failed. Sometimes I threw a big party for myself and I drank a half a bottle of wine and I sat in my bathtub and I was sad for <laughs> myself all day. And I thought about all the bad things I had done, yeah. but eventually, eventually it became such a habit that I thought, I, Satan, I'm done with you. I'm done with you and you're done with me. And I only want to live for Jesus Christ. I only want to live here in his grace, in his mercy every single day. That's, that's as good a message for anyone. Again, abbyj.com, loveline.com is where you can connect with Abby Moore. Again, Abby, thank you so much for joining us here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. And we will talk to you all next Tuesday right here.